Borag Thong Earthlets. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 89th episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast where two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for November 1982, progs 289 to 292. This week, Harry 20 and Ace Garp plan escape from space prison. <laughs> a rogue trooper arrives at Fort Nero, and Judge Dredd pursues the deadly executioner. Welcome to Space Spinner 2000, the only comic book podcast that is 100% anti-vigilante. Woo! Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, but, like, comprised mostly of vigilantes. That's not true, man. We got, like, a soldier. We got a guy in jail. We have a, okay. a, a space cop. A soldier cop. eschewing authority, right? Like, the space cop I'm willing to give a pass to. Or a future cop, in I guess. Prison. Dudu's yeah. in prison. A guy He's not a vigilante. Well, you know. I mean, a, he did sp- smuggle some stuff into a place uh, where he wasn't supposed to, even if it was for good reasons. And mm-hmm. I consider Robin Hoodism... Sure. Vigilantism. But then we got like a space trucker who's just out for money. And uh and Sam Slade who listen. Like, you know, he takes jobs, but he's not really you know, he's operating inside the law. He's he's not a vigilante. Is he? I mean, we'll see next week when uh, he gets a, a, a officially deputized by the government. But anyhow. Oh, that's great. <laughs> what really? Yeah. Instead, let's go to uh through one rogue trooper. Uh, script robot Jerry Finley Day, art robot Car- Colin Wilson, and Brett Ewins, letting robot Pete Knight and Bill Nuttall. I am constantly impressed with how Rogue Trooper ties up loose ends by just being completely cyclical. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, we've talked before, I think, about how Rogue Trooper sort of has elements that are similar to, like, um, 70s TV shows, I guess. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, the Incredible Hulk or The Fugitive or something like that, mm. where, uh, uh, especially The Fugitive, where, you know, Richard Kimball's very much looking for the one-armed man, but a lot of times his quest for the one-armed man just takes him into random towns where he kind of has to solve a mystery or deal with a problem or something like mm. that, you know? I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. I'm just saying, like, yeah, no, I don't think doesn't yeah. have much of an arc in this. I just think it's you know it, it makes it fun when he actually meets up with the one armed man and two of them have an interaction, as we see here, where um, Rogue is dealing with the aftermath of the Marauder situation. Uh, Rogue and Player, the pilot, are both are parting ways with, and Player has Helm as sort of payment for helping Rogue escape, basically. And Rogue goes to fight the Traitor General. The General readies his base defenses, but he knows Rogue will just get through those anyway because he's an awesome future soldier. So my my favorite part is that that is actually true. Yeah. Rogue dispatches a bunch of dudes, and we find out the strap that holds Gunner together, like or whatever, like mm-hmm. the strap that you would carry a rifle with, also serves as a uh, garrote wire. That's right. <laughs> it's it's multi purpose. <laughs> I just like, God damn. <laughs> so because of this, he also sets the base to auto-destruct. He has the, he has the base fire a pair of missiles and one of them is secretly an escape pod with him aboard, which I thought was pretty awesome. Um, that's pretty smart. That's some, that's some pretty good evil guyery. Oh, definitely. Good. Leaving all your guys to die. That's, that's peak evil guyery. Like I said, the ultimate way to prove your evil is to kill your own dudes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole lot of dudes. You're exploding a base full of dudes. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Rogue begins his assault as player scans those missiles and he finds one of them occupied. And so both he and Helm recognize uh, that the Trader General's plan. They come back to save Rogue as player comes under heavy fire and uh, sort of flies off with Rogue, sort of Han Solo in the Death Star style. Um, the base sort of, the base recognizes things as um, the explosions begin. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh man, we're going to blow up. And then they blow up. Yep. Hey, Pretty you know. Good. Yeah. Our guys escape the explosion, but player dies from the anti-air defenses, complimenting Helm for getting him to change his mind twice. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. So the guy died and Helm's back. Yay. Yeah. All's Rogan, well that ends well. Yeah. Rogue and the chips are reunited and they head out more determined than ever to catch the Trader General. Or are they... Well, I mean, yeah, okay. Next up, we get sort of a short <laughs> one where, um, in a in a very cool looking uh, chem suit graveyard drawn by Brett Ewins. 
Um, who, Great who, place to take a nap, by yeah, the way. <laughs> Rogue takes a nap as Gunner and Bagman <laughs> argue over the events of the last couple storylines, as Gunner is in trouble for really liking be, uh, hanging out with Morgan, the uh, the, the Nord um, sniper guy, and Bagman is accused of having loose circuits. So they come yeah, to blows, which literally means Gunner shooting Bagman and Bagman tossing a grenade at Gunner, basically right over Rogue's sleeping body. <laughs> <laughs> Rogue, I mean, and Helm, of course, waking up Rogue so that Rogue can ricochet the bullet with Helm and then also thwap, yeah. whip, or spang, sorry, spang <laughs> away the uh, the grenade. Yeah. Only to then have Helm say, man, I totally saved the day again. Oh, these guys, they have weird, quirky personalities. and They're all getting <laughs> fucked up from being chips for so long. Hey, the, or maybe the, they were just always dicks. That's possible too. Yeah, you know, they're the original uh, odd crowd, right? What's four yeah. if three is company? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow, great. They Rogue decides it's time for some time off from combat, and Bagman suggests going to uh, Europa, a sector that's been under siege for a long time and largely forgotten about by Souther High Command. Rogue agrees it's time for some peace and uh, or for some someplace for quiet and sanity. As we cut to Naropa and we see some guys running up the flag by literally running up a flagpole. Uh, yeah. Anyone else would have gone combat happy by now. <laughs> uh, it's funny because no place on New Earth is sane. <laughs> that's probably true. Although, actually, God. Like Fortress Naropa, like the fucking giant wall is possibly the coolest wall ever constructed by artists. Yeah, we're continuing the rogue trooper tradition of making like World War II terminology literal. In this case, <laughs> Fortress Europe becoming Fortress Naropa. Yeah, but yeah, apparently this this sort of uh, settlement was built inside a giant natural shield wall made out of unknown Earth mineral, uh, new Earth minerals. And it's now a self-sufficient Souther colony that's been under siege from the Nords for many years, cut off from all outside communication and aid. They were actually, they they were like the first to kind of defend or, or alert the South about the North's, yeah. uh, like, change in in peace plans. Right, and yeah, from their move towards violence a couple, like, at yeah. the beginning of the war, basically. And so, I guess the Southers were just like, hey... Thanks a bunch for that thing, but peace, you're going to have to deal with it yourself. They're too far Davis. behind Nort lines, I guess, or something. Yeah. There's a final holdout. So to this Intense. situation, crawls our buddy Rogue Trooper. He uh, takes out some Norts who now officially have this very, like, kind of druidy, KKK-style pointy cat-mask <laughs> hats. And then plows his way through the fort's minefield, traveling through super kick thick chem clouds, and from those clouds come Souther troops. You're dressed up as Napoleonic. Yeah. They're dressed as old troops. old French troops. They speak with a ridiculous Clouseau-esque accents. <laughs> Rogue is let through and introduced to the main officer. This place used to be the Frank sector. Or called the Frank Sector, and now they call themselves the Napoleon Complex. Ah, <laughs> uh, I embrace you, Rogue It looks like isolation and heavy chem clouds have gri- driven this whole joint mad with siege mentality, <laughs> which is a thing. Yeah, Rogue is that people get. Totally, yeah, I guess. Uh, Rogue is, is shown around the Napoleon complex. It's all just people living their lives in old-timey France style with, like, gas masks and in English with accents. It's very much like um, that one part in History of the World, part one, where they're like, we're so poor yes. we can't even afford to speak French. We speak in these accents instead, you know. <laughs> Bonjour, mon swear. <laughs> Rogue is feasted by the brass, and we learn that um, even the difficult, even the, the different sectors of Naropa are cut off from each other. Uh, uh, God, if only there was a plot device on wheels. <laughs> Come on, buddy. Rogue warns about the increase in Nord aggression, including the fall of Dixie, but the Napoleon Complex guys are proud. Let them come! We don't need no stinking badges. Everyone loves Le G.I. Bleu. And his buddy, uh, Zahom de Sac, who's his bag hey, man. man. 
<laughs> nothing, nothing wrong with that. And hey, look, we renamed this theater the Moulin Road. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I gotta say, I honestly, it's it was it was a good pun. Uh, Helm says uh, Helm provides the title of this particular storyline, saying it's less like uh, Neuropa and more like Fort Neuro, which means crazy. Um, oh my God, do you get it? Rogue wonders what happened here, uh, looking for someone to speak straight Souther, and he's answered by Rob S. Pierre, a Rob Runner, which is an army messenger droid. The, well, it's, the, like, it's like Robespierre, but it's yeah. Robespierre. Rob Runner, Rob Runner, go, yeah. go 100 miles an hour. Anyhow, um... He offers to give Rogue a full explanation. There's also a poster on the wall here for the Charles Boyer uh, uh, fan club, who I just learned is the uh, real-life inspiration for Pepe Le Pew. So good times. Um, Oh, there we go. Yeah. Next time, Alley Talk. (laughs) Hey, look, it's like I said, that guy who's going to be the plot device to get you from where we are now to where we will be. And you'll probably be dead. (laughs) I gotta say, uh, you're down on it, but but Fort Nero is one of my favorite Rogue Trooper oh, stories. No, um, so okay, I'm gonna give it some guff because part of part of me being sassy is like, come on, Rogue <laughs> Trooper. But nah, man, like I love all of the costumes that these motherfuckers are wearing. Are you kidding? Yeah, like, I love these uh, these dumb French guys, and we're gonna travel around to at least four other sections that oh, all have um, really just ridiculous things going on, and I'm super excited about it. You know, that's, that's real great. Like, My favorite were the the ladies with the plume hats. Absolutely, yeah. We've talked a lot about Rogue Trooper being really serious, so I think this one where it gets a little funnier and stuff is a good uh, change. You know. Absolutely. I'm just calling it right now that that robot's going to explode. All right, let's keep an eye out. Um, <laughs> speaking of keeping an eye out, Fox. Oh, man. Got to watch your back. Yeah. Thrill 2, Harry 20 on the high rock. I'm in love with this pro. <laughs> <laughs> Script robot Jerry Finley Day. Art robot Alan Jacob, letting robot Tony. Or art robot Alan Davis, letting robot Tony Jacob. Can I can I ask you a real question? Is it all right to mm-hmm. be uncomfortable about their choice of just like? So I I feel like I shouldn't be. It's so multicultural going into mm-hmm. this, but it's multicultural. I feel like for partially wrong reasons. Oh yeah, kinda yeah, sure. Uh, so Harry Harry Twenty's getting on the high rock. We get this awesome uh, mocking second person narration, which I really like. I love it. Um, it, there, there's another comic book podcast, uh, Jade Miles Explain the X-Men, where they talk a lot about, um, the mocking Claremontian narrator, which is this narrator from, that, uh, Chris Claremont uses in the X-Men a lot, that are a mm. lot of like, of like Cyclops being, what's happening? And he's like, surprised Cyclops? Oh, <laughs> you know, you'll meet, you know, your doom is coming, doom in black, or something like that. Um, and this is really another version of this where it's like, it's like, you think you've won Harry 20, but in fact, it's only going to get worse, you know? <laughs> I I feel like, so, I mean, I haven't seen this yet, but I feel like this is just such a great D&D campaign. It's fun. It's like, I agree, yeah. out of a prison, which is, I guess, the whole point of uh, Legends of Grimrock. <laughs> but, mm, that's true. No, I guess. So. I, I love it. Yeah, this is also where we start getting the most ridiculous part of Harry Twenty, which is that all the in- all the inmates have pun names. Basically, um, <laughs> it's real bad. There's there's a Route sixty six, um, who's an African um, uh, murderer guy who is presumably also where you get your kicks. Um, there's <laughs> there's seventy seven Sunset, who is a Japanese mobster, and also seventy seven Sunset Strip was a, a TV show about private detectives. Um, All right, and there's twenty one Toady, the local snitch named after a uh, Cliff Richards single from nineteen seventy one. Uh, twenty one eh? today. <laughs> eh? Eh? So Harry sees, Harry thinks he sees a blind spot. It, um, fr- from the vision of the guards, but he can't investigate because it's also the favorite uh, viewing spot of Big Red One, the uh, bearded, scarred-faced, toughest asshole in the High Rock, who's there for a hundred years. So the hundred becomes a one, but it's a but it's colored red, and he's named after the famous uh, U.S. Infantry Division and the movie that starred Mark Hamill about it. <laughs> Jesus, I, mind you. 
so because we've already met somebody who's got a ninety-year sentence. Yeah, Ben so ninety. He's, he's he's got the longest, but he hasn't been here the longest. Yeah, you know, one of the things that that was confusing me when I first read Harry twenty was um like if the years count down, I guess, and they, and and they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like next year Harry twenty would be Harry nineteen, right? It's just your sentence for, for when you get sent up there. Man, that makes it really inefficient to know when you're going. <laughs> I mean, it definitely doesn't help you out, but I mean, whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're just in space prison, so what you're yeah. going to do. It doesn't seem like a lot of people leave. That's what I'm starting. <laughs> that, that's the sense that I'm getting from the High Rock, honestly. <laughs> At least not prisoners. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Red and Harry come to blows, and Harry's put on punishment detail, chipping ice off the side of the station. He, while he's there, he's also able to further his investigation about this blind spot. And it's definitely there, a place where um, the one place in the hierarchy that isn't under surveillance. But that becomes a problem when Route 66 and 77 Sunset Red's goons show up, cut his safety line, and kick him off the station, sending him hurtling into space. Oh, uh, God, I'm going to fly towards the Earth. In a slow thing where my oxygen is going to run out. I mean, I feel like he's going pretty fast, but only, like, in a relative sense, you know? He's fast yes. for a guy walking on Earth, but not so fast for the big, you know, space differences between um, a satellite orbiting the Earth and the Earth itself. You know what I mean? If this, yes. If this were an attainable fear, it would be one of my primary fears. Uh, just getting dumped out in space and oh, bro. Uh, floating there forever. Yeah, it's scary, man. That's what that movie Gravity he's all about right that's a real fear for me on the water and like long road trips i'm like don't dump me yeah. here yeah if you've seen uh, all is lost which is gravity but on a boat um wow yeah all is lost is really depressing it's true <laughs> so harry's falling through space when suddenly he sees an old single person satellite just floating up there he- hey awesome Totally. Yeah, he pokes a hole in his oxygen tank to let him to give him propulsion to fly over to it, and he breaks in, luckily finding more oxygen aboard. He starts thinking about ways to to uh, get home from the sat, but it's suddenly a bunch of, of guards show up and take him into custody. Space goons. They drag him back and blow up the satellite as they go. Because man, we can't just have a satellite floating around out here. Although later they say that they just mark. Every yeah. satellite that's in the area, so... I think that might have, that, might have just blown it up as a specific FU to Harry 20. Like, <laughs> we could have just blown you up, but instead we grabbed you, basically. Well, that's pretty fair. Um, I mean, I'd do a show of force, too. Yeah, definitely. Harry has a date with Warden Worldwise, but not before he's returned to his cell, where he reviews a map of the prison that Ben 20 drew for him, and for us, so we can check it out. And he starts oh, to man. build an idea to get out of the high rock. What I learned is that the top and the bottom of this giant diamond shape are where all of the normal things are, and then yeah. the middle of this diamond shape is where you keep all of the prisoners. Yeah, the uh, the the top and the bottom, like sort of triangle, like like pyramids of the uh, of the high rock are where all the stuff is, and the middle is just like ah fuck you, there's cells. I don't know. <laughs> We're gonna draw all this. Yeah, listen. Um, so Harry is, Harry 20 is taken to the evil warden worldwide's even more evil office. <laughs> it's a pretty double evil office. Totally. Where, so. where the warden tries to hypnotize Harry to revealing any escape plans. Harry beats it by just sort of attacking worldwide and getting the shit kicked out of him by, by chief guard thrower instead. Um, Not a great situation. Back in Gen Pop, Harry starts to put his plan into action, going to the prison library where he finds some pretty detailed information on space missions. So he's, let's write it on this napkin I stole from the mess hall. Yeah, he's making notes of the schematics and stuff when Big Red One shows up and starts beating him about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Harry's less worried about the beating from Red as he is that 21 uh, Toady is grabbing his notes on his escape plans. Oh, God, what am I going to do to make sure that weird snitch doesn't get those things that I don't want him to see. He grabs a tape canister and just throws it straight at Toadie's head. Yeah, take Smashes that! Smashes him in the face. <laughs> take that, you rat! And, and then he uses judo and trickery to take down Red and his goons, and he escapes back to his cell. Hey man, they're not 
they're really not doing so hot. But man, he's thinking ten steps ahead. You can't just bring that piece of paper back to your cell. What are you mm-hmm. gonna do? Yeah, because look, it totally blabbed, and so now the guards have shown up to scan Harry's cell for the note he was making. They even got a paper scanner to find it. Oh, it scans for paper. <laughs> They just fi- so long as the paper is in the corporeal world and not uh, somewhere else. It's in the pa- it goes in the papermatic scale. Um, they don't find anything even after they illegally scan Harry's body to see if he swallowed the paper. And I like how one of the guards is like, you know, this is going to bombard him with like super duper radiation, and dude's just like, I don't give, I don't give yeah, a singular t- fuck. G- guard guard pusher does not care, buddy. <laughs> um, yeah. So Toady loses privileges for lying, and Guard Pusser shows Harry that Red and his goons are getting a few cycles of solitary for fighting. As he does this, Harry lifts his notes, which he hid, and Pusser's back pocket the whole time! Oh man, I got real close to you so that I could hide this piece of paper and you wouldn't notice me pulling it in or out of your situation. (laughs) It's time to put the plan into action, buddy. Next time! Oh, sorry. Yeah, he's got a plan for the rock. He's going to put, yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying. Next time, Swede 16 and never been blasted. Damn. Because there's a song, uh, Sweet 16 and never been kissed. Yeah, you got it. You know what's going on. I love Harry 20 and the High Rock. I think that it is, like, actually suspenseful. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, we kind of we went through it pretty quick, but, like, there are no, parts are- that I think build up tension pretty well. Yeah, and I think there's, there's some really good threat around him of both the guards and the uh, the inmates. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I sort of skipped through it. I I, I admit, but yeah, there's parts where Worldwise oh, is, no hi- is is hypnotizing Harry. That's really tense. Of like, how is he going to get through this? Um, the search for the paper, while a little silly, just because they have this like Geiger counter that like checks for paper, basically, um, mm. is still like, well, how is he going to hide that, buddy? Like, what's you know, what's he going to do with this thing? You know, and yeah, my guess was that he actually just ate it and yeah. they were like no he didn't do that and i was like wait but then what so i think that's cool and then, yeah and i really like just like you know again like like i said i i really like prison stories just because they really add mm. a lot of tension to things and this plan to escape i think is really neat so i'm yeah this is a fun this is a great story and alan davis is really good on the art for it too um i think there's some stuff like sometimes his anatomy can be a little weird i think just when you see people <laughs> in fight scenes and stuff of like, course. I mean, whatever. But on the whole, I really like just sort of the look of all these different characters, um, the, everybody's different uniform and stuff, and just like the um, – it is a pretty good job of just sort of making the high rock itself feel kind of claustrophobic. and Absolutely. Like, um, you know, again, ratcheting up that tension we, we've been talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I Just in an overall sense, like I, I have a very good feeling of who all of the characters are, who Definitely. the antagonists are off the bat. Like what everyone's um, like uh, uh, motivations are, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah. Like, obviously, Harry wants to get off. Everyone wants to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but like Genghis, that's not like his deal. Genghis is like, I just want to beat the shit out of this one specific dude who was <laughs> right. definitely racist to me, right? <laughs> the crazy dude who knows what he wants. Yeah. And the bad guys are running it like a Ricky O style prison. Like I'm. I've shown you that movie, right, Ricky O? Story I don't know. I don't, I don't think I've seen that one. A mad recommendation. It's All about right. a dude who literally gets arrested so he can go to in a prison to kill opium drug lords who are also kung fu masters. It's pretty great. Well, that sounds relevant man, to my interests, Fox, I gotta a man, say. A man stops his arm from bleeding by pulling the veins out of his arm and tying them off what okay yeah, okay well i know what i'm it. doing after this um, anyway I'm, I'm just saying it's a great prison movie anyway yeah. it sounds really like great. it sounds like a like a classic of years past and speaking of um old oh, <laughs> of fuck. old stuff collected fox you're great you're <laughs> oh my gosh thrill three judge dread Real cute. I could have also said, uh, speaking of, uh, like, that sounds like vigilante justice, and speaking of vigilantes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow. I'm really excited for that story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. Script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as TB Grover. Art robots Ron Smith and Carlos Escara. Letting robot Tom Frame. Team Frame. So, first, a trio of survivors are moving through the rad race 
the rad wastes outside of Mega City 1 when they're set upon by some Terminator-visioned robot attack dogs. Oh, God, I guess our throats are going to get ripped out Baskerville style. Or I guess maybe it's not Terminator Vision yet, right? It's just some kind of uh, robot HUD kind of thing. I'd I'd argue it's, well, yeah. it's. I like mean, just because Terminator isn't out yet, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's fair. This is, so what you're saying is that uh, Terminator stole Terminator Vision from 2000 AD. I think it's more likely that both Terminator and this <laughs> stole it from the same thing. Uh, <laughs> So, judges are on the scene. Uh, the lone survivor says it was vampires, which and Dredd is skeptical of this, despite the fact that he's actually fought robot vampires before during the Cursed Earth. Uh, yeah, dude, you know. and he's just looking at this like, bitch, the same vampires. I know what that looks like. He grabs Judge Mole, and the two track the attackers. They find themselves in some kind of bombed-out museum, where they're attacked by the robot attack dogs. Hey, that was pretty uh, quick. Yeah. Dread takes out two of them by tossing a petrol can in the mouth of one dog, and then Good it explodes. Choice. You know, Jaws but, style okay. again. Yeah. yeah, but he threw it. So he threw it into the dog's face, like at point-blank range from him, and the second shot is him being thrown backwards. Well, I mean, I kind <laughs> of imagine that he, 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 the petrol can hit the dog's face so hard that it went flying backwards, you know? All right. That's my that, 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 that's my imagination of it. I, um, I find that acceptable and fair. Yeah. He then wraps the 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 third dog in the cord of an iron. Oh no! Then, he, but first, he smashes it in the face with. Yeah, it. and then he and then once it's wrapped up, he takes a pickaxe and pickaxes the skull of the dog. Oh, it's and then its eyes like shoot out of its eyes. It's awesome. Its pupils like it's it's a really great picture. Yeah. And also, I I love the expression expression shunk as the uh, as a pickaxe being driven into the skull of a robo dog. That's a good sound effect for sure. So it looks like this is the remains of a private museum whose owner died because he forgot his ID one day, and the dogs killed him, and then they basically just kind of went cyber dog feral, I guess. Um, <laughs> it just happens. Yeah, we see a bunch of uh, there's a bunch of cool stuff like old cars and other and other sort of like 20th century things in this museum. The prize, uh, the prize item, an authentic welly boot. Oh yeah, <laughs> dude, this feels like a Fallout Three or Fallout Four situation. Definitely. It's like, Definitely. oh great, we found boots. This is this is. This will sell for a high price. I gotta really give credit to uh, Grant we Grant Wagner and Smith here by not having the uh, the prize be an, be an issue of 2000 AD. That's all I gotta oh, say. That's actually yeah. I'll give a golf clap to that. That's that's restraint. <laughs> so next up, uh, it's Bob's. Oh, it's real weird. It's real weird i this, don't like these faces yeah, this is the first appearance of a recurring uh judge dread trope trope that i think is mostly going to be drawn by ron smith which is basically there's a monthly meeting of a bunch of mega criminals uh in mega city one each plotting the perfect crime and they sort of figure it out and then they sort of enact the crime and it, judge dread has to deal with it basically um, this time, Cyclops Pete Runcy has um, has the floor, and he introduces the Blob, a total conversion plastic surgery that makes you a completely expressionless, unidentifiable blobby <laughs> weirdo. Basically, <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty weird. You get one knee pad, you get a jumpsuit. Yep, and, and uh, then your face mouth, is just sort of blue and round, and you got a weird circular mouth. Oh, it's kind of it's not great. A little. Radio move yeah. for you to say, "Can I take your order?" Exactly. So, you know, one blob is pretty identifiable, Fox. But you get like four blobs, and you can't tell them apart. Well, it's a good thing we've got all these mob bosses with deep connections to high society. Yeah, I mean, they always do. You know, yeah, like, of course, man. I, You're not a I mob give boss. You, if you don't I, got people in your pocket. I mean, I give you like whatever, man. That uh, the the opening of the Godfather, where they had the uh, the singer guy come in. You know, Luca Brasi oh, yeah, sort of made him an offer he couldn't refuse. You know, um, that's so what happens. The key is just to make the blob look a fad. One or two movie stars get 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 it, and it takes off because Mega City One. Everybody's ready to just jump on some crazy. <laughs> you fat you know they'll be ugly they'll uh become fatties whatever you know hey man as long as we're noticed for being uh the same as everyone else they just want to be cool buddy listen 
<laughs> so anyhow, the, the plan works. Blobs can commit crimes and then just sort of fade into the crowd. But things start to get tough. They actually give an example of how it backfires because kidnappings come really tough because, like... You don't know who you've kidnapped. (laughs) Yeah, I I loved that whole thing. Like, we've got your husband. Give us 50,000 credits. And she's like, but my husband's here, I think. I think it's my husband. And then a judge bursts in and says, all right, which one of you is the victim? And all three of them says, me. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. So enough of these blobs, all right? (laughs) How do we deal Um, with this? Well, we could just, like... Say that blobs are illegal. But no, that caused riots in the street. Yeah. yeah. So instead, Dread has a plan, and all the blobs are stamped with ID numbers on their foreheads. So suddenly, blobs are hyper-identifiable. <laughs> Jeez. And in fact, it's easier to pinpoint the exact one there are people. Yeah, because they just got a, got a code like right there on their forehead, like waiting to be scanned and stuff. Um, it's real back, good. Back at the, at the super criminals hideout, the criminals, all now blobs, are like, any other ideas? And they are uh, foiled. <laughs> Hooray! Oh, man, they aren't happy about this situation. <laughs> oh, man, that's a fun one. But now, yeah, it's pretty let's, cute. let's get awesome, buddy. Um, in our next story, we open on suspected crime boss Herbie Swarf being assassinated in a shower by a mysterious figure that leaves Taking a note a... saying justice is done. He's he's washing himself with a massive toothbrush, which I imagine is the justice that needs to be done. Bro, don't <laughs> use a big old toothbrush to scrub your body. That's uh, weird. Nah, do what you want, man. Come on, it's the future. Um, I guess. We hear a news report about the killing. Dredd says it was it was very professional, and he worries about there being a vigilante on the loose. Meanwhile, a beautiful lady with a face pearl necklace kind of thing mm, makes dinner I've reservations. Yeah, and Dredd gets word that the note was written by a woman. The face necklace lady, now at the restaurant, uh, gets up, puts on an executioner's hood, and <laughs> as a as a mobster dude, uh, Jack Beauty has one of his subordinates' legs broken for skimming money off the top of, of some protection money. The executioner confronts him. Uh, puts the justice is done note in Jack Beauty's pocket and shouting, <gasps> I want justice! She kicks him off the side of this floating restaurant. Dude, it's awesome. This dude goes hurtling to his death. This story is really, gr- I, I really love the storytelling in this story. Um, mm-hmm. the way as, as Scare does it. Um, basically, it's a lot of not words and a and- lot of showing. Yeah, and everything's linked, I guess. Like, mm-hmm. we see, like, it's, it starts with this news report, and we see first the actions that the news reporter are describing, and then both Dread and the executioner sort of listening to the news report as they go about their day and stuff, which I think is a really neat, like, linking device. Um, then in the second part of, of, of this prog, uh, we see like dread on patrol getting like word that the killer is a woman and there's this floating restaurant over, over <laughs> his shoulder. And that's the same floating restaurant where the executioner is, is like finding your next victim and stuff. And like, we sort of follow her through the restaurant, um, up to like sort of the roof. And we don't really see the hoods until she's on the same floor where, where she could be like listening to their conversation and stuff. It really, to me, it really feels kind of like a, uh, like these two parts feel like very, um, like, like single shot kind of things in comics, you know, like, like in a movie. Yeah, absolutely. Where, you know, like, like in Goodfellas or something where like the camera just follows someone through for a whole scene and stuff. Yeah. This really yeah. feels like the best, um, the best version of that, that you could do in, in a comics panel. And I think it's really great storytelling. I completely um, agree. Next, next prog with the racketeer Jack Beauty tossed off the side of a floating restaurant. The executioner walks back to his goons and kills them too, leaving, um, the one getting his leg, bro- his legs broken alive. The yeah. woman returns this to the restaurant. <laughs> the restaurant, re- the woman returns back to the restaurant, re- removes her mask and takes her leave. Um, the like, execution. Oh, my husband's not coming. So yeah. I'm she was there, and um, that's maybe a clue or something? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, an hour later, the judges are on the scene. They question the surviving goon who identifies her as calling herself the executioner. Talking to the restaurant staff, Dredd is able to create a picture of the executioner's face, but they need a name and address and stuff. 
Uh, meanwhile, a news report on the killings come through as we see a woman serving breakfast to her kids. It's the executioner! Mm. Oh my god, she's got kids, and those kids seem familiar. Yeah, they mentioned that Jack Beauty um, was a gangster who did something to their father. A man, a man on the street interview supports the executioner's actions, and the kids do too. Through tears, the daughter says that all those gangsters deserve to die! And, and what does the executioner think? Oh, in, yeah, they'll die. Yeah, in the other room, the mom's executioner exalts, she'll make them pay. Oh, my God, I want to see a movie called Mom's Executioner. <laughs> Next time, the copycat killings. Dude. And then this I mean, is a I'm, great story. I'm going out on a limb and guessing on this one, you know, this feels very stainless steel rat. Hmm. I mean, she definitely, this lady definitely has a lot of similarities to uh, to Angelina from the Stainless Steel Rat, I'd say. Um, yes. Just uh, as uh, in, in being a uh, a deadly, slinky lady drawn by Carlos Escara, you know? <laughs> like, and she's, she has the face chain. She's had the face chain before. She's got two kids, boy and a oh, girl. Yeah. They're talking mm. about dad that's gone. Well, I mean, Might Angelina had a... Angelina had, or the Stainless Steel Red had two sons, I'll mention. But, oh, you know. all right. Well, that throws that out the window. Well, one of yeah. them could be moonlighting as something, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. It's all right. I don't pass judgment, man. You could be whatever you want to be. That's right, buddy. And uh, speaking of what you want to be, it's non-thrills, covers, nerve center, and pop culture robots. No. All right, let's start with Prog 289. Drock! <laughs> There's Dread, an armadillo dog. Dreads under attack from Robo Armadillo Dogs in this rabid cover by Ron Smith. <laughs> Bark. In the nerve center, Tharg Deckard, Blade Runner style, uh, mm-hmm. welcomes Very us cool. to the comic and he warns kids to be safe on Guy Fox Day. Which, you know. Yeah, this fireworks, it's, man. It's, yeah. I guess I've never celebrated Guy Fox Day. Yeah. It, like, comment, subscribe if you like Guy Fox Day. I or feel if you don't like, like Guy Fox Day. I feel like that's such a uh, that that's like a super British holiday, you know. It's the mm. same like we haven't celebrated it in the same way that an English person has never celebrated the Fourth of July. You know, both involve a ton of fireworks. Um, <laughs> both are very um, a part of your country's history. You know, <laughs> I would imagine that their celebration of the Fourth of July would be a very dour holiday for them. I mean, all the English people on my timeline usually just take a minute to sh- like shake their fists, basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> so let letters include a kid misquoting DJ One about a German punk singer's feeling on UFOs, a reader calling out all the Bellardinelli cameos, um, another wants to know why, why we don't have more old stuff in the progs. Buddy, you gotta live in the now! I, I, the, there's also a kid who calls out people using Judge Dredd's uh, in a copyright infringement yeah, situation. Yeah, that's messed up. Yeah, in a, in a fruit roll, which I believe is a, 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 a slot machine. Um, or a fruit machine, I think it's called. Whatever. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Uh, Midprog DJ One is here with more British bands I've never heard of, <laughs> including um, <laughs> Solid Space and Hot Gossip, which it seems to be more of a dance troupe, but whatever. Um, and there's a photo of Buster Blood Vessel from Bad Manners enjoying 2000 AD. All right, then. If good, good if you're into ska, which is always fun. Um, and and uh, there's also apparently an American guy named Richard Bone, who's a folk singer, saying that he's telling everyone he's from Planet Tharg, which is uncool. Hey, come on, bud. Yeah, and Zarjaz. Exactly. And, then, and But speaking of Zarjaz, this issue ends with an awesome pinup of young nemesis ah. fighting alongside his badass dad, Thoth. Yeah, man, Mr. Antlers himself. Their swords are huge jawbones, and I love it. It's really fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, Prog 290, Robin Smith draws another Tharg cover, this time with a Pac-Man watch. Hey, why not? You, dude, snap up a Pac-Man watch full deep inside. There's a, there's a ton of... Uh, like, there's two things that are kind of interesting here. One is that here in, in November, there's just a ton of these, like buying stuff through 2000 AD like ads yeah and also there's just a ton of video game stuff which is weird because I always think of 82 as sort of the real start of the uh of like the the big video game crash you know like uh, yeah but the, I mean arcades the, were at like full swing that's true but I mean a lot of this stuff is for home video games and like even as we mm. speak I feel like in November 1982 there's a 
big there's a bunch of trucks with old uh, et cartridges headed out to somewhere in the desert you know so i, I mean this is my history of video game knowledge mm-hmm. stuff so the there was actually a big divergence between like u.s and um british hmm. video gaming so really the u.s actually went more uh, went console during this time mm-hmm. where like home computers and home computing was not like a very big thing whereas yeah britain uh in the uk in general went more towards computers and less towards um oh, interesting. yeah yeah like there's a lot of people that i know uh from the uk who grew up with um computer games um ah. like there's one about an egg and some other shit like <laughs> the way that we would have had reader rabbit or some some other stuff but mm-hmm. they always hearken back to their time playing um right, computer-based the, games the zx81 like, or whatever yeah and like and like doing programming games and stuff like that where you make like little art or or small games on your own huh. which i thought was interesting yeah yeah cool Just some cool video game facts yeah. would be interesting I mean, to hear listeners experiences for sure yeah like correct me if i'm wrong it seems yeah. like home computers were kind of a bigger deal in the uk yeah in the nerve center tharg the blitz spear discusses the pac-man watch and there's a picture very cool. of a very brett unz rogue trooper letters mm-hmm. demand a solo judge dread comic and compliment the 2080 annual especially the secret life of the blitz spear which i think we both agreed was awesome oh god yes so yeah. cool for the record, the Pac-Man thing, yeah, you can buy a Pac-Man watch for 19 pounds, which Ugh. seems like a lot. Um, yeah. I did like some back of the envelope ca- uh, calculations of like um, what the pounds to dollars was in 82 and then how mm. many dollars that is in modern times. And it was like 80 mm. bucks, which is Holy crazy. Fuck off. <laughs> for um, a tiger electronics ser- seriously mid prog d mill is here to give us movie news including updates for star trek 3 the fact that two james bond films are coming out this summer that's uh Ooh. octopussy with roger moore and never say never again with with uh sean connery octopussy and- was like meh Oh, man. Yeah, listen. The only thing good about Octopussy is that one uh, Razor yo-yo thing that the guy has. Oh, yeah, that that thing was awesome. Yeah. (laughs) And then Tron. Yeah, and then there's a big picture of of Tron coming out. I think we'll have a review for Tron by the uh, next episode, I think, a Roja's Tron review. I would expect that it does fairly well. You think so? Very well received. Yeah. This prog ends with a pinup of the dictator with a dictators of Zrag family portrait. Um, kind of cool. Yeah, their abusive dad is not in this one. Um, <laughs> also, I mean, you know. yeah. Also, I wish there was more stuff about the individual uh, dictators. Sometimes they seem to have like different personalities in this picture, at least you know. And yeah. I want to, you know, what's the difference between the one wearing the tie and the one wearing the schoolboy hat or something like that, you know? I mean, you know, it's a whole uh, Three Stooges kind of thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. 291, Escara has a great dread cover. A vigilante at work. That's all this city needs. <laughs> In the nerve center, Tharg the space shuttle tells about another video game sale. <laughs> and Ace Garp rides tricycle. Which, I love this art. From yeah. this page, by the way. Totally. Uh, letters compliment the Prague and the Destiny's Angels storyline. And it looks like there's actually some adults reading in 2082. Whoa! Whoa! Get out of my comic book, adults. <laughs> Seriously, kids, kids, kids only, buddy. Kids rule, Come okay? On, oh, that's a joke. Oh, wow. That's a joke for someone else. Uh, Mid-prog, there's a, the Mighty Micro page with all uh, all the basic programs for your ZX81 and VIC-20 that you can think of. <laughs> hey, why not? We're selling more games this week. This time a pocket alien fighting game that's also a clock and an alarm. This time it's yep. for £14.50. By Cresta, uh, which... Mm. All right, then. Yeah, it's got that very sort of tiger LED look yeah, from my youth. exactly. Three three frames of video game. Right. Uh, this prog ends with a pinup of Letting Robot Tom Frame playing pool with balled-up paper with cans of oil anywhere. Or Man, everywhere. He's such a cool robot. Yeah, like his frame hair, bot, his though. Yes, eyes. <laughs> totally. Maybe eyebrows. Yeah, I was bummed because I just, I wanted to match it up, and there's actually very few, like, photos of Tom Frame. Um on the internet, really? you know? It, well, it's tough because I feel... looked like, him up. 
There's like two or three other more uh, like like le- le- like Tom frames out there. Like I think one's a bishop or something. And so mm-hmm. like Tom frame letterer gets kind of lost in the shuffle. I think, which is a bummer. Huh. Damn. All right then. Yeah. In uh, 292, Sam Slade, Hoagie, and Stogie are back as the Human League attacks in a double-sized Ian Gibson cover. It's the national song year, and it's time to play it again, Sam. No. Oh. There's a uh, there's a picture of Superbert fighting for a better universe in the Nerf Center. Um, <laughs> letters in or uh, uh, and the Nerf Center is hosted by King Thargi the Eighth, who introduces us to the uh, new Robo Hunter story, the first comic musical. Letters include a kid who does advertisements for 2000 AD at school, who gets a uh, Krill Trothargo, <laughs> questions about long name, long judge names on badges, excitement over some random rugby final, and a writer asking about um, the whole episode format of the Star Wars movies. Uh, Thar- I mean, I imagine that if you just have a long surname as a judge, you're immediately disqualified. <laughs> I mean, I think they could they can change change the font around or do like a second line or something like that. That th- 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 those would be my guesses. Yeah, sure. Um, or it's just smaller. Yeah, Tharg is skeptical about doing a prequel series after the original series series for Star Wars, and that's a valid worry. <laughs> yeah, that's oh boy. Even more. Yeah. There's even more official ma- uh, uh, official mail orders this month as Christmas is coming up. There's a pen telescope, there's a pair of microscopes, binoculars, and a camera. Basically, just all your all your uh, classic pre computer boy Christmas gifts, I'd say. <laughs> binoculars never get old, I guess. Man, I remember wanting like, like a telescope when I was like ten or ten or eleven. I think that's cool stuff. I built a telescope when I was like eleven. It was a great investment. Nice. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, and speaking of looking out into the stars, Fox. Oh, you. <laughs> Thrill for ace trucking. That was a good one. Uh, scri- yeah, I'm, good. I'm, I'm, I'm blowing it away this episode. I don't know. Uh, script episode, <laughs> Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover, art robot Nasmo Bellardinelli, letting robot Steve Potter. I committed no crime, but I've been doing time for 30-odd years, maybe more. I'm an innocent crook crook. that the GB's (laughs) framed up, and needless to say, I feel sore. (laughs) Ace Garp is doing time at the Bidawee Penitentiary, where he meets his sailmate Gator McGee. He sings a song, which we just sang. Well, part of it. It's actually got a ton of verses It's like stuff. a ballad, man. It's yeah. a ballad of his life. Yeah, basically, Gator, he's a Gator man from a planet of Gator men, and he tells a sad <laughs> story about apparently getting accidentally roped into a bank robbery, then helping to bury the loot on a distant planet, when suddenly the cops show up, kill the others, and arrested the and, and arrested Gator, and he's been in jail ever since. He's been there for Damn. 30 years. But the cash that he buried is still out there, too. This naturally. So many bims. Yeah, billions of bims. And that naturally puts a wild hair of Ace's ass because he, man, he needs that (laughs) money. Sees dollar signs constantly. Um, Stays up all night for the week? Yeah. Whatever he's there for. the week he's in prison, um, he's let out of jail, um, but tells his buddy that he's got his plan. He's going to break back into prison. Oh, no. And Feek and GBH are going to help. Feek and GBH are going to help him. Double oh, no. <laughs> yeah, this is a no hee-hee situation. Man, I'll, I'm really appreciating Feek and how he takes the way regulate talks and modifies it. Like no, no, he he is like seriously the greatest sentiment. Yeah, think of, you know, just for a guy who normally says he he like he he, yeah. like, no he he. This is not what I like. Seriously, but hey, I guess I'm still gonna help you make a weird, yeah, animatronic gatorhead. Yeah, and further, no he he news. Um, Ace goes in disguise as Gator McGee's mama. He slips the rep- the uh, reptile a uh, Susan Caplet a uh, suspended animation, and then when Gator passes out, G- he says he's dead, and that as his mother, he will claim Gator's body. 
Well, we don't just, like, let bodies out of prison. We just no. burn them here. Yeah, well, listen, man. Like, you're going to serve your sentence here at Baidoui, whether you're dead or alive. So they just cremate you and your ashes stay at the prison, I guess. Which is hardcore, frankly. Um, Problematic for the gator that is definitely still alive in this yeah. coffin. Gator wakes up and the flames hit him and he jumps out of the crematorium. He's quickly returned to his cell. No worries, though. Ace has another plan. We gonna chug out, buddy. That's right. The Speedo Ghost is repainted to be the Yellow Uff, a, sh- a ship for the Yellow <laughs> Line uh, uh, sh- uh, shippers. Oh, shit. As Gator gets himself tossed in solitary confinement, which is apparently a small glass bubble on top of a pillar high above the Just- asteroid prison. Does not seem like a great situation. It basically, yeah, you go up there and you're just sort of, you go crazy from isolation syndrome, like, instantly. Because <laughs> <sighs> you're just staring into the void of space in a in a tiny you can't really move in. Yeah. It's the perfect situation, though, for the yellow uff to fly by, snap off the pillar, grab Gator, and fly away at lightning speed. Oh, God, catch the yellow off. It's one of them yellow line bastards. With Gator abo- aboard the off, they still have to lose a space guard coming after him and fighter ships throwing boom at him. Well, mm. how are we going to deal with this? They We're s- called the yellow off. And they set course for the nearby planet Elvito in hopes of losing the space guards. With them in hot pursuit, the yellow off dives into the atmosphere of Elvito, where the heat of re-entry burns off all of the uh, <laughs> ship's new paint, leaving it, uh, turning it back into the Speedo Ghost. Now, hey, no problem. We weren't actually looking at the ship. Yeah, well, so. now, n- now repainted Grand Theft Auto style, the Speedo <laughs> heads off, wow. leaving the guards behind with with a many thanks. <laughs> Hey guys, he went that away. Whoa, that guy went into the paint and sprayed with some other car that's the same make but a different color spread out. Whatever. <laughs> wow. So, free from the cops, the ghost heads out to the planet Kuchiku to get the billions of bims that Gator McGee buried 30 years ago. Many holes dug later. They still haven't found the money. So Ace has the ghost blast the whole area with its engines, causing a massive sandstorm, but also revealing the cash. Billions oh of bills. I told you. I told you. We're rich. Richie, Richie. <laughs> Everybody's well, having a good time dancing, partying about how rich they are. Well, actually. Gator boy pulls a gun. Gator's rich. You're dead. It's a double cross. Oh my god, who knew that it was going to happen this way? Next time, Stoop Coop Stoops. <laughs> hey man, these guys just can't catch a break. It's true, but at least they still have songs in their hearts, and speaking of songs... Oh no. Thrill 5, Robo Hunter. Oh uh, yeah, he's back after like a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah, about six, six progs, I think. Yeah. Uh, scripture about Alan well Grant and yeah, totally, man. Scripture about Alan Grant and John Wagner's Grant Grover. Art about Ian Gibson. Letting robot Steve Potter. So Robo Hunter's back. Uh, we open with a news report where Prime Droid Iron Aggie announces that it's now National Song Year to lighten things up around here. Hey, why not? She introduces it with a song to the tune of "Whistle While You Work." Uh, that sort of ends with uh, with a song we can create a harmonious British state every droid and hume say goodbye gloom and once more make Britain great so that's right we're gonna make Britain great again by singing or face fines and imprisonment yeah. <laughs> um, Sam is anti-singing Fox but Carlos I mean, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm there man I get you <laughs> but Carlos Sanchez Robo Stogie is all about it Oh, dude. I'm Carlos the Stogie from Cuba. I prefer castanets to the tuba. Like Sinatra, I sing to be tuba. Only I sing better than him. <laughs> so great. It's really just a tack of, uh, like, like, like public, public domain songs in the course of this, uh, thing. This is the most Looney Tunes fucking thing ever. <laughs> yeah, so they're all about it. Both, yeah, they, they both uh, Hoagie and Stogie sing a song to the tune of the Mexican Hat Dance. When Sam gets to sing a telegram, uh, Sam kicks the delivery man out before he can sing. Opens the telegram, which also sings <laughs> that Iron Aggie wants to meet him at Downing Street. So let's head out. 
next time. Can't stop the music. Oh, yeah. Oh man, this whole thing is going to be a musical, um, like story of Robo Hunter Fox. Um, I'm into it. It's I can't promise I'll favorite. sing all of them, but I'm sure we can sing a bunch of them, and it's going to be real annoying for our listeners. But I'm okay with that. Oh, dude, <laughs> I do a dance called the Black Mamba. I tango, I rumba, I samba. Ole, ay, 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 caramba. <laughs> and Stogie is smoking today. <laughs> Ole. Hey, speaking of uh, of uh, copyright issues, Fox. Oh God! <laughs> oh, I was gonna. Uh, yeah, no, you introduce it because I'm like, is it? I thought this was public domain. Oh, but maybe yeah. I'm crazy. Thrill six, future shocks. So first up, um, it's uh, the Great Detective. Um, script robot Chris Louder is Jack Adrian. Art robot John Higgins. Letter robot Steve Potter. So yeah. Uh, Hemlock Bones, not to be confused with that other one that we can't say due to copyright infringement. Yeah, he's on the case at least until he trips and loses his contact lens, and the whole thing is like on a TV is, is a TV set. Um, God, oh, I'm an exasperated director. <laughs> so it turns out that this guy uh, Ernie Grice is a stumblebum actor who happens to look a lot like what we all assume uh, Sherlock Holmes looked like. Looks like, though this production doesn't actually have access to that character, so it's Hemlock Bones. Um, Fox, I actually did look this up, um, and it looks like, in fact, uh, Sherlock Holmes didn't enter the actual public domain until 2014. No shit. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those things where they sort of do like things to keep, like they're, they're doing things to kind of keep it alive and stuff like that. Um, God damn. You know, so I think they're actually ha- – I gosh, I remember there being at least one thing maybe in uh, – around at this time, but maybe later where they – it was something that was clearly Sherlock Holmes, but they couldn't actually say that name for some reason. Um, oh. I think it's ha- like something like that. I don't know. Again, I remember – or like it was something about like Sherlock Holmes's brother or something. I don't know. That's interesting. That means that Guy Ritchie had to pay rights in 2009. Yeah, I think also uh, for like uh, – both the Benedict Cumberbatch show and uh, and uh, Elementary, the American version with Lucy Liu. Holy fuck! Holy fuck. well, now there's no reason for Guy Ritchie other than the fact that what's his name is like the highest paid actor in the world to make a third movie. Why not? What? <laughs> oh God, I I can't remember the name of Tony Stark, man. Oh 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 yeah. Uh, what you uh, Robert Downey Jr. Buddy. Yeah, no, he was, I liked the Sherlock films. Yeah, I thought... I like Guy yeah. Ritchie, but... I thought that it had um, expired sooner, which is why they made all those movies yeah, and TV shows, but apparently that, that was, was why it was thought. still in copyright. Yeah, who knows? God damn. Or they were just like, hey, this is hot shit, you guys should all buy it. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was, um, <laughs> or something, I don't know. Anyhow... Yep, let's what's get Im- back to Hemlock Bones. What's important is that Christ, while walking home, gets a... Uh, there's a bright light from the sky and he's taken it's- aboard an alien ship. Or sort of through time and space to an alien kingdom, basically. Uh, it's a trans-temporal uh, tractor beam. Also yeah, okay. known as a TTTB, bro. Yeah, yeah. Get your okay. back straight. <sighs> you've, you've shamed me completely. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, Grace explains it's a mix-up. He's not actually Sherlock Holmes. This pisses off the various two-headed transporter technicians, so yeah, they call great. in the forearm security guards to be continued. I, dude, I just... If someone asks you if you're a god, you say yes. Whoa, that's a pretty bold uh, evaluation of Sherlock Holmes. Anyhow, uh, Christ, duck, <laughs> Christ ducks just in time to cause the two goons to run into each other and meets Vulgan Barf, the high lord most things on this planet. He's got a problem, awesome. Fox. Yeah, he's cool. He's got a problem, though, because there should be an emperor... But the two candidates for emperorship are identical twins, and no one knows who the oldest is. Only Sherlock Holmes, or his non-copyright infringing equivalent, can solve the case. Uh, and he'd yeah, better so- solve it right. <laughs> I, I will say, this, uh, this may be one of my favorite future shocks simply on how it ends. It's pretty good, yeah. After some quick questions, Grice uh, reaches a conclusion, which is the, that the rightful heir is Vogan Barf, the uh, evil hey, chancellor who's been threatening his life. 
<laughs> Seems about right, given the fact that, like... <laughs> <laughs> like just a conundrum how and then how volgan barf responds is, is like good choice <laughs> you get the ultimate prize your life <laughs> yeah there's no way to send him back to his own home in time so now all that's left is for him to get involved making crappy movies for these crazy aliens <laughs> and they're also exasperated with his business hey there's no future there's no alien version of contacts i guess but yeah man oh, you know wow. you travel through the destiny you travel through time, put a uh, evil tyrant on the crown, and all you get is a middling film career. All your life is meaningless, and you're back where you started. Bam, bam, bam. Wow. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, our final future shock is called oh, okay. Bad Timing. Uh, script robot Alan Moore, <sighs> art robot Mike White, letting robot P. Bensberg. So... It's a familiar comic book story, Fox. A brilliant scientist on an alien planet warns the powers that be that the world will end very soon. They don't believe him, so he sends his infant son to Earth, where he'll be able to fly, have super strength and vulnerability, etc. Uh, Seems some like di- a pretty sweet deal. Um, yeah, I've heard, I've heard saying before. things like flarp or galook. He's just a baby, dude. Um, Man, ain't no baby saying funny shit like flarp. I don't know if that's true. Uh, the difference is, though, uh, in this case, after the baby's sent off in a rocket, the planet doesn't explode, much to the anger of the scientist's long-suffering wife. Yeah. And the baby arrives in 1983 instead of 1937, and both the mm. U.S. and the commies thinks it's the first strike from the other side, and the, nu- the nukes start to fly! No, man. Great job, buddy. The baby arrives to a world sprouting mushroom clouds. Instead of saving the world, you've destroyed it, Superman! <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what kind of world will he arrive to? That's actually a great comic book start for, like, Superman's arrival, TBH. Um, yeah, yep. that it starts a, a, a nuclear war. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And yeah. it's like, what do you do now? Super Totally. Baby. Yeah. Uh, for other more modern superheroes, like like versions of the Superman story, I'd really suggest uh, Supreme Power by J. Michael Straczynski, uh, Gary Frank and Joe Symbol, which is just sort of a, a series of uh, basically what would happen if Superman crashed in like the late 70s, essentially. Um, and it's pretty cool, actually. Or at least the, the, the first couple graphic novels are of we just see, like, um, you know, him getting picked, like, immediately the, the black helicopters show up and, uh, mm. and the would be Superman or Superman equivalent is taken to, like, a, uh, to like a government facility where they kind of raise him to be, like, an all American boy and stuff like that. Like, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting way, way of, of how they do it, I guess. Um, this one isn't particularly new, but I suggest Superman Red Sun. Yeah, oh, um, of course. Yeah, that one's real good. It's if uh, Superman were a communist. <laughs> yeah, hangs out with Stalin. Anyhow, Fox. Oh, man. Speaking of non-alternate pasts, we ourselves have finished November from 1982. Oh my god, timelines are still going. The only question that remains is what were your top and bottom thrills for this month? Bro, that is the easiest question ever. Harry, I'm 20 on the High Rock is my top thrill. Nice. I love this comic, man. I want to know what happens. I like that there's... <laughs> it gets bludgeoned a lot. He gets this man a lot of head wounds. Severe, yeah. yeah, he's going to have severe brain trauma in a big <laughs> way. But I, I like these outsmarting of the guards. I like that he can actually handle himself against apparently what are like the best gangsters of certain uh, yeah. diverse cultural backgrounded people. <laughs> um, and, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm just really enjoying it. I like the narrator. Yeah. I like Harry himself. Harry's just, like, we're still getting to know him a little bit, but, like, he's obviously someone who <laughs> is going to try to escape from this prison. I'm down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's mad as hell not going to take it anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, and as far as bottom, man, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, this is a really good month, I got to say. Yeah, no, I, I just I have to think about it. I guess, like... Because Future Shocks weren't horrible, you know? Judge Dredd was good, and I actually liked... I'm starting to like Rogue Trooper a lot. Yeah. Man, this is hard. Fuck. I'll, I'll just say Future Shocks. Fuck it. That's really easy <laughs> to say. That's like... 
No problem. I want to see where Ace Trucker or where Ace Trucking is eventually going to go. See, it's it's like I like these sillier ones. I like mm-hmm. Ace Trucking and I like like Robo Hunter. All right. Yeah. Well, time for my non-committal answer to not be focused on. What was <laughs> your top and bottom thrills, Conrad? Oh man, there's a lot of really good stuff this month, Fox. Um, like the start of Ford Nero. That's one of my favorite Robo Hunters or a, a Rogue Trooper stories. Like I've said, um, mm. Harry Twine and the High Rock is real great just in terms of just, you know, this is like the, we started with like the second, like Harry, like Harry Twine story, man. We're just getting, getting this thing yeah. going, you know? Um, this executioner story is a great dread story. I love the, um, I love the storytelling in it. And the other stories were, and the one-offs were good too. Um, Ace Trucking also like really fun. Um, and just sort of just like the caper part of how they like steal the prison and stuff, I think is really neat. Mm. Um, and I thought the future shocks were pretty good too. Um, yeah, they weren't horrible. Like the bad, t- like the Alan War one was pretty fun and just does some mm. comic book stuff, which I appreciate. And like the, um, I like just sort of the gaming of the alien like culture and stuff in the, uh, yeah. in Hemlock the Bones. Sherlock Holmes ones. Yeah. And then Robo Hunters, yeah. you know, was only here for one episode, but this, uh, play it again, Sam one is a great story. Um, yeah, like it's so a, it's how a, it's, can we choose what's it's bad? It's an embarrassment of riches, you know. I would say for my top, I really love Judge Dredd this month. Um, okay, especially the Executioner story, just the way it's told and stuff is so awesome. Mm. Um, I will say that man, we're really in this part of 2000 AD where you know, while I can rank things, everything's way above like the quality line of good. You know, like everything. Yeah, it's a good time to read, man. Is like is like you know. In upper is an upper echelon thrill, but I'll say um, of the ones that we've read today, I might put Rogue Trooper in the bottom. Um, hmm. Okay. Just because we're, we're kind of setting things up, but honestly, or Rogue or Ace or Ace Trucking, I guess. But even then, I could get that. Like, I mean, this is sort of how like a B is different than an A plus, right? They're both good <laughs> grades, but. I maybe give like like Rogue and Ace like maybe a B this month as opposed to an A like 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 um Harry Twenty or Dread is getting for instance. It didn't blow your pants off. Your it's not quite body. blowing my pants off, but man, it's real real good. Um, Strong agree. And you know this is just you know we're kind of getting into this golden age you know or sorry we're hip deep in the 2080 golden age, but now we're at the point where we're just like. You know, everything is also like like all the bad stuff has been like uh, like skinned away. You know, like, oh yeah, we're gonna kind of have this lineup until we get Skiz, and then until we get Slain, and then Strontium Dog, and uh, and and Nemesis come back. So I just don't even know how we're gonna do these bottom thrills for the next like year, basically. Well, I mean, like before the show, I was even I was just saying like. Uh, the way that I rate these things is if they're bad or not. It's like, is it is it uh, uh, Wolfie Smith or not? Yeah, right? Wolfie like, Smith or Death Planet, like these sort of like, we've seen so much bad stuff that now my uh, my barometer for good and bad is way different than it might have once been. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? It's, yeah, exactly. And like, just like, this stuff only gets so bad. But anyhow. <laughs> yeah. It's always yeah. so good. It's so good, man. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, or on our podcast site, Cradoline.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com. Find us on the two, on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter at spacespinner2k. For everything else, look up Space Spinner 2000 and we should be there. Come back next time. As Robo Hunter sings a song, Harry Twenty wears a disguise, Rogue Trooper explores Fort Nero, there's good news for all Ace Trucking fans, and Judge Dredd finishes the vigilante case just in time for Night of the Rad Beast. Oh. Alright. It's exciting. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Spondig 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 Spondig